Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Morning. How are we? We're doing well. My name is Jay Elkins. I'm Connections Pastor here at the church. And our senior pastor, Tim, and his wife, Karen, are traveling to see family this weekend. And so I am here sharing with you this morning. It's a privilege and an honor, and I appreciate the honor and the opportunity to do so. If you're visiting with us today, we are in our Christmas series, Humble King, this booklet. I don't know if you received one as you came in the door. Humble King, we have completed two weeks, Humble King of Hope and Humble King of peace. And this week, we are in humble king of joy. So um, as you can see, the first two words are the same and all that. The thing that's changed is joy from peace, hope. So topic is joy. If we could, if maybe I could introduce an idea of my, how we might think of joy. Um, have you maybe think of how um, a sustained like sense of well-being Joy, not like happiness, like it comes and it goes. But let's think of joy maybe, if, if you will, with me, of like it's a sense of well-being that's rooted in relationship. That's joy. Okay, so if we can work from that common definition, I think we're going to cover some ground this morning. Um, I had a, um, well, let me tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I have a wife. We'll be married 14 years in May. Woohoo! So exciting. And then the rest is children. No, we have two children, uh, wonderful uh, 12 and 8, and they keep us very, very busy. And um, <laughs> yes, I love them much. They keep us very busy. And um, just making sure you have some context, because, you know, this is my first time here this morning. Wow. Okay. So I was in a college class with... Um, with some friends, and we would go to this eight o'clock class very begrudgingly. It was like a senior level class, and seniors aren't supposed to go to class at eight o'clock. They're supposed to have the 12 noon to three o'clock schedule and then just do nothing else. But I somehow ended up in this class, and so it would be tough for me to make it. And not only is it tough to be there at eight, but I also have a little distractible, you know, and so I would see things square. And then I would be looking around, and then I would see things like, oh, ooh, they didn't brush their hair this morning. And then it would just be, and then I'd be like, oh, I wonder what they were doing. Did they even go to breakfast? And then I missed everything, right? And so I decided early on that I would sketch and draw and kind of take notes to reinforce what's being said. And I began doing this kind of midway in the semester, and I'd make a cartoon about whatever that squirrel thing was I saw, whether it was disheveled hair or if it was somebody who walked in late or something, I don't know. So I would make it, and then I would write notes on it, and then I'd pass it down the line. Well, I kind of sat in this row with some friends. Well, come to find out, the friend on the end had been keeping them. And she put them in a notebook and stapled them all together. And there's like 40 pages of this comic that we now have. And um, it's all these different random stick figures and things going on. But the one thing is I flipped back through it was something that the professor said over and over and over again. Context is king. Context is king. And so I'm sitting there thinking, okay, all right. 
context is king. And it was a good reminder for me as I'm digging into a passage to prepare for you guys today is that we probably need a little bit of context around our passage in order to understand it to the fullest. You know, you can take a verse, you can pull it out and you read it and you're like, oh, that's great. But what if we got a little bit of context on both sides of it and we get a fuller picture of what's taking place? Maybe it's a little bit more impactful. It doesn't mean that the first time you read it wasn't good, but you know, whenever you expound on it and you get a little bit of context, you're like, oh, that aha moment. So if you're willing, I'm going to throw some context on the passage today. All right, let's get into, well, you don't have to open your Bibles because we're going to run really quickly through the Old Testament. Our, um, our passage is in Luke 1, and it's the foretelling of John the Baptist and Jesus coming and then their interaction. But I feel like maybe we would be a, know a little bit more if we knew about this guy named Abram. Genesis 12, Abram was a guy who um, loved the Lord. In the time, there weren't a lot of guys loving Jesus, loving God. And so God said to Abram, he said, I'm going to do four things with you, Abram, or through you. And you guys say, what are you going to do, God? He said, Abram, I'm going to make you a nation. Now, this is a big deal because Abram doesn't have any children, and they're old. And so um, he said, okay, I'm going to make you a nation. I'm going to give you descendants more numerous than the stars in the sky. Oh, okay. And I'm going to give you land that when you look to the left and the right, you can see so far and the cattle is covering the hills and it's all yours. Okay. Well, if that wasn't good enough, God said, but I'm going to do something else with you, Abram. You say, what are you going to do, God? I'm going to make you a blessing to every generation. From nations to nations to generation to generation, I'm going to make you a blessing. Okay, so if it wasn't good enough to have all those things, his lineage, his line was going to be a blessing to all men. After Abraham came Isaac, Isaac came Jacob, Jacob had 12 sons, and the story goes on. So much, so fast that we see that the land becomes filled with his people. There's a nation built, and there's millions of his descendants. But the Old Testament closes, and we still hadn't heard about this blessing yet. God said, I'm going to do something through you to all generations. I'm going to make you a blessing, but we haven't seen it yet. And the Old Testament closes. Well, here we are, New Testament, the Gospels, they sit right in the first part of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are the Gospels, or you could think of them as being the good news of Jesus. They're all right up at the New Testament, right up at the beginning, and that's where we are in chapter one of Luke. And so our context is that God's people have been waiting for the promised blessing. They've been on edge just saying, God, I know you said you're going to do it. Do it. I know you said you're going to do it. Do it. And then that's where we are. Luke chapter 1, verses 11. Now, Zechariah and Elizabeth, Zechariah was a priest, and he was um, worshiping and doing, uh, making, making offering at the altar. And then this is what happens. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth." 
Now, something really cool about Luke, when he wrote his gospel, he focused a lot on the Holy Spirit and joy. He thought it was important for us to know those things and that they were together. And so, as you see, verse 14, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Okay, so this is where it gets kind of funny and humorous, because you kind of have to think about the interaction between the two. He's sitting there, and he's thinking, oh, I'm old. Um, And in 18, verse 18, he says, and Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For for I am old, and my wife is, uh, um, I am old, and my wife is an advanced in age. How's this going to work, God? So we learned two things. <laughs> Zachariah doubted, and we don't talk about a woman's age. So, um, but the angels, the angel looks at me and says, basically, he said, I stand before God, and God gave me a message to bring to you, and you're going to second guess that? I can't even with you right now. He's like, Zachariah, just hush. Just, just sit down for a minute. You're going to be quiet. You're not going to speak until the baby is born. Okay, so next thing we see is Zechariah is not speaking, but he jumps up. He leaves the temple after he does his duties, and he leaves, and he begins trying to explain to people what happened. Because what took place is the kingdom broke in. The kingdom comes with joy. Zechariah was scrambling trying to explain what took place because what was inside was pouring out. The kingdom comes with joy. When God said, when God showed up, he wasn't just showing up at a different spot in the Bible. He was showing up to a people who had been waiting and longing for him to answer. The Bible even says that he heard their prayers. Do you think Zechariah was standing at the altar at his age saying, now God, would you give us a baby? Probably not. He had probably given up on that one. Because his response to Gabriel was like, yeah, that's kind of over. You know how this works, right? I mean, we're, we're way beyond those years. Well, no. God said, I heard those prayers. I heard them. It just wasn't time yet. God's kingdom comes with joy. When he breaks through and he begins to do something, it comes with joy. We have um, the opportunity. How many of us have been praying for something you've wanted for years? And not so much just you wanted something tangible, but you wanted a relationship to be restored. You wanted health in your family. Maybe you've been praying something for years and God just hadn't answered yet. What we can learn from this is that God's timing. He's heard us. Scripture says he heard us. It's God's timing, right? And when he does finally break through, what's going to erupt in our lives? We're going to be doing some dancing, There's going to be joy when he breaks through, right? And that's what we're seeing, God's kingdom breaking through, and it brings joy. His very essence, Galatians tells us that the fruits of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, the fruits are, wherever he is, are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. So his very presence ushers in joy, right? So here we are with Zechariah, who's scrambling to try and explain things. And then shortly after that, we come to Mary. Now, Mary is um, in a little different situation. She receives it a lot different. She's like, okay, well, um, let's just hit 
32. He will be great. This is the angel talking to Mary. And will be um, called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever in his kingdom. There will be no end. Okay, what does that sound like? Does that sound anything like what we just covered in the Old Testament? That Abraham, Isaac, Jacob is in there, and then David, the king, was right after Jacob. Do you see what he's doing? He said, I have been working a plan. And Mary, this is no ordinary boy. This boy is going to sit on a throne that never comes to end. Never. And he's going to be a blessing to every man, woman, child. Okay, right? There's joy. There's excitement. So Mary says, wait a minute. You know how this works, right? If I'm going to have a baby, it's not really going to work because, you know, I'm a virgin. Gabriel says, stop, Mary. The Holy Spirit's going to do this work. This is not just any son. This is the Holy Spirit. And so Mary says, okay. And Mary's like, all right. And she's processing. And shortly after that, She's informed that Elizabeth, her family member, had a similar experience. And she says, you know, I can go talk to her about this. And so she begins going, well, the young man that is in the womb was Zachariah and Elizabeth over here. He's John the Baptist. And God sent him to prepare the way for Jesus to come. And it says he will turn many hearts towards Jesus. And the Holy Spirit was with him in the womb. And then we have Mary over here, and she's like, well, now I got Jesus in the womb. I'm going to go talk to Elizabeth. This is crazy. So she's going to talk to Elizabeth. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a crowd lie, cry, a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in the womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Joy. It's erupting. This breakthrough that had come whenever that point in the first of the chapter, God was breaking in, he was doing something. It's just flooding. It's pouring out of his people because he's doing something different. He's fulfilling a plan. Okay, so the Old Testament and the New Testament don't back up just to one another. The Old Testament doesn't end and the New Testament starts. The Old Testament ends, and then there's a 400-year gap, and then the New Testament starts. Okay, have you ever been to a dance recital? <sighs> Feels like 400 years, right? So um, I have a niece that's only five years younger than I am. And so I remember being in middle school and going to a dance recital. And I thought, okay. Crystal will dance, and then we'll go eat dinner. Well, every crystal in that room has to dance before you go eat dinner. So we are, so we're there, I'm in middle school, and a good way through, they say, we're going to stop for intermission. 
And I said, it's been two hours. <laughs> sure enough, they stop for intermission. The curtains close. And we get up and we walk around and we, then they call us all back in and everybody comes in. And when the curtains open, the stage is set different, right? And usually it's the older dance troops that are dancing at that point. It's a little bit more dramatic. There's kind of a, it's kind of a season like a climactic advance in the story, right? I want you to think of that gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament as intermission, God was not sleeping. He was not absent-minded. He was setting the stage for what was to come for New Testament. He was pulling all the things together, and God's people were still waiting in anticipation and looking. And what he was doing is he was setting the stage for this. And so God's people have been waiting for the Messiah they had been waiting for the Savior. Shortly after their encounter, it's crazy, Mary begins singing. And she just begins telling of all the stuff that God is doing and how he is raising up somebody who is lowly in stature just a young woman, and he would choose her. And she's celebrating, and she's excited, and she's singing about it. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And she goes on just with these, this chorus of things. There's so much happening on the inside that she can't help but sing. The kingdom comes with singing. So it's not only is of when God breaks in and joy is a part, there's an outflow. There's a natural outflow that begins to take place. It is stored up in you, and then it begins to pour out of you. The kingdom comes with singing. So we have this beautiful image of so much happening that Elizabeth is just celebrating, saying, who is this? And, and Mary's singing, but there's this funny kind of thing in between that I think is pretty rad. Okay, so John the Baptist is in the womb, right? And Scripture says that the Holy Spirit's with him. And Mary is not there yet. And Elizabeth hears Mary. And I can just imagine John the Baptist is in the womb. He's like, when I get out of here, I'm going to tell people about Jesus. When I get up out of here. And he's like, okay, so Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. The Holy Spirit's doing his work. Well, then Jesus and Mary walk in the room. And boom, John the Baptist couldn't do anything but jump inside the womb. It's an expression. It's so tangible that his presence was so oozing that it was the very joy. And John the Baptist couldn't do anything but jump in the womb. Right? It's crazy. So, so he probably did a little, whoo, kick the bladder, punch the spleen, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, but what... Of what I want to challenge you guys with and this whole idea is that when the kingdom comes with joy, to remember it. Because um, I got a few nods and a few things when I said, have you ever been praying for something that hasn't come about yet? Have you, have you been praying and seeking God for an answer to something and it just hadn't happened? Or maybe you're just waiting to see him move in an area of your life and it just hadn't happened? 
right? Well, there's probably been some time you have seen him move, right? So can we remember those times? Can we hold on to those times? Can we remind ourselves of what God has been doing amongst us? Can we hold on to those things as we wait? Because that's what Zachariah and Elizabeth were doing. There was, a, there was this time where they just said, you know, God, I'm still going to serve you. He was still making offering at the table, even though God hadn't answered the prayer. He was still going to worship, even though God hadn't answered the prayer, because he knew his God was faithful. He knew his God was good, and he knew when his, fa- his father finally broke through, there was going to be joy, and there was going to be rejoicing. So, if you're there, if you're still worshiping at the table, but you're still waiting on God, wait for his joy, it's coming. Hold on a little bit longer. The scripture says he's heard us. He's heard the prayers. It's just not here yet. Hold on. And when it does happen, sing about it. When good things do happen, rejoice. And you don't have to stand on the street yelling and out of death tone and all that kind of stuff. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when good things happen, when God has done something, let's not bottle it up. Let's talk about it. Let's share those very stories so that we can share the kingdom. You understand when we share those stories, we're sharing Christ. We're sharing his love. So when those good things come about, let's not bottle it up. Let's take an opportunity to sing. Maybe we even do a little woo dance and let people know that we're excited because the God we serve hears us. He knows us. And he is intimately involved in our lives. As Mary was um, singing, I just want to read some of the things she was singing. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Okay, are we a part of a generation? Ah, okay. And will there be generations behind us? There were generations before us? Okay, just making sure. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. I'm going to share a story. I didn't share with the first group, but I'm going to share it here because I think it's super, super um, important. Um, You know, I said I had a wife of 14 years, and I have a son that's 12, and I have a daughter who's 8. Well, that 12-year-old son came very unexpectedly in a very emergency situation because both he and his mother were dying. And we were in the waiting room waiting for doctors to say what we needed to do because things weren't good. And um, 
I just remember this crazy, crazy experience where um, it all happened so fast where the nurse screams out of the room for the doctor. That doesn't happen. You know, normally they walk to the station and screamed out of the room for the doctor to come. And I knew it was crazy then. And the next thing I know, somebody shoved a gown to me, told me to put all this stuff on and meet him over there by that door and stand in the box. Amy gets wheeled out. I'm getting this stuff on as fast as I can, and I go stand in the box. And in those moments, I heard as clear as I've ever heard God talk to me. He said, no matter what happens, I'm going to be with you. It wasn't a reassurance of everything was going to be how I wanted it to be. It wasn't any of that. But no matter what happens, on the other side of those doors, I'm going to be with you. And I think that's a promise that he's given each and every one of you as well. Scripture says, no matter what happens, no matter where you are, I'm going to walk it out with you. And I'm coming. And when he breaks through, we're going to sing about it. We're going to tell the stories. We're in just now, in just a moment, we're going to go ahead and uh, we actually are going to sing. And I want to challenge you to think, Let's sing, let's sing like we're celebrating what God's done. You know, let's not sing because it's a closing, we get to go eat lunch. Although I will be happy to eat lunch. Um, But let's sing in response to a God that loves us, he knows us, and is waiting for the right time to do his work. You have the opportunity to, um, if, you, if that's crazy, if that's weird, you don't know this thing about joy, you've never experienced Jesus like that, um, I'd love to talk to you about that. I would absolutely love to do so. I'll be right down here. You can come talk to me now or after the service, um, but don't leave if this is crazy weird that we might be able to talk about joy and God and those things, because I'd love to talk to you about it. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.